Welcome to Health Conscious. This is Joseph. And this is Jonathan. And we're here to bring you another season. And we have a great speaker for you today. It's Libby Joftis. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about her? Yeah, Libby Joftis is someone who went from hospital fellowship to consulting back to working in a hospital. So we're really excited to get her perspective on that jump and any device she might have over the course of her awesome career. Yeah, I agree. Without further ado, let's talk with Libby. Why did you decide healthcare, I guess, to kick us off? Healthcare was always uh, an influence in my family growing up. My mom was a nurse, and she cared for her elderly parents. Um, throughout my my whole life. So I I got to see some of the the challenges that people experience in healthcare and know that, you know, my grandparents had it really nice because my mom was so in tune with the system, having been educated in it. um, And I just felt that there was a lot of opportunity to make healthcare easier for people. So I was always, I was always interested in it. Great. And then after that, you decided to come to Sloan, uh, which is our program. So uh, can you talk us a little bit about why you decided to come to Sloan Cornell and how you transitioned uh, to your internship and beyond? Totally. So when I was at Cornell, uh, very early on in the College of Human Ecology, where I was doing my undergrad studies, I was informed of the five-year program so I could start my graduate studies in my senior year as long as I had all of my major requirements completed by my junior year. And healthcare was my passion. I had taken an introduction to healthcare or healthcare in the U.S. class and instantly I I liked it and knew that I wanted to make my undergraduate trajectory in line with applying for the five-year accelerated Sloan program. And fortunately, it, it all worked out. I guess once you got into the Sloan program, what were your career ambitions and how did you kind of proceed? I kind of just absorbed the education and experience of Sloan. I, I wouldn't say I, I came in knowing exactly what I wanted to do afterwards. And that's probably also why it has looked the way it has looked. <clears throat> but... Um, I, I did, I did my internship in New York City with, um, Wild Cornell Medical Center's, uh, Department of Neurological Surgery and got to work with physicians and also work in operations and, and strategy. Uh, so I, I was able to get a good, good taste of different aspects of healthcare throughout the studies and my internship. Um, but I do think that not going in with um, a specific intent is why I came out and did some different things. Yeah, so then after your internship, uh, you pursued a fellowship, right? And I think a lot of us um, in our second year and first year are thinking about fellowship. So what kind of made you make that decision to pursue that route after Sloan? So I, I wanted to pursue the fellowship because I wanted to have more access and opportunities in a 
a first rule. Um, there's not, not to say that you, if you take um, an entry-level role right out of grad school that you won't be given similar opportunities, but it is built into the fellowship that, you know, they trust you, they give you a lot of responsibilities because you are in this one-year accelerated program. All the access to leadership and, you know, having direct communication to the president and COO in a hospital was just an experience I thought I, I couldn't uh, give up. What were some of the projects that you did when you were there? Or what were your kind of favorite things and things that you think could have been uh, improved? Yeah, so the three things, the three main things I worked on there were reducing unnecessary phlebotomy draws. So there was a lack of communication and organization amongst the different providers and different um, inpatient units. So patients would end up getting uh, blood draws like two times a day, for example, when they could have only been drawn once. So it puts the patient more at risk for infection, injury, it puts the staff more at risk. Um, there was you know, no, re no reimbursement for these draws, so it's just a sunk cost. Uh, so there was a lot of opportunity there. And that was more just bringing um, people together and communicating better and documenting so so that so that the appropriate labs would be entered in the in the first place and, and we could reduce unnecessary uh, blood draws that was one that was uh, I got to lead my during my tenure there another project was um, they called it two by ten they wanted to encourage units to discharge uh, at least two patients by 10 a.m. to kind of level load uh, the discharge process throughout the day. Um, we know that it, it often happens later in the day. Just there's a lot of factors, whether it's um, does the patient have a caregiver to pick them up? Um, has the provider entered in the discharge orders? Is there durable medical equipment that the patient needs to leave with? Um, have they had all their complete evaluations by nutrition and physical therapy? So that was an interesting one to try to help Im improve the discharge process and, and ultimately um, reduce length of stay. And then the last one I worked on was um, implementing interdisciplinary rounding. So rounding on patients with the entire care team, including physical therapy, nursing, um, nutrition. So, so you go in and you speak to the patient and, and his or her family um, in, a, in a much more holistic way. Was there anything that was like unexpected that you really enjoyed throughout that experience? Unexpectedly <laughs> enjoyed um, doing a like movie review with the huh. president at the time. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Like, you you go in and, and this is your job and, and obviously you have expectations, but the exposure and, and the access that you have are unmeasurable. And, I mean, I don't even, I couldn't even tell you how that, came about because I was the only one that did it. It wasn't like it was a program. We just got 
talking, and um, that's why I watched Lawrence of Arabia and some other movies that I never would have watched. <laughs> and there was always a moral. So <laughs> not that I could recall it right now, um, but it was really enjoyable to, to have that ex- experience and, and time. Like this, this physician president, he's a person too. Wow, I mean, that's that's really interesting. Um, and I also think what's interesting about your career thus far is you have the operational background in the hospital, and you also have the consulting background uh, post-fellowship. So I was wondering if you could speak to us about how you made that transition and why you made that transition. Um, because a lot of people in our program right now are deciding, oh, should we go to a fellowship or should I go to consulting? And I think your career kind of shows that you don't necessarily have to make the choice. It's not a binary one or the other. You, you can kind of be dynamic in your career choices. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'd say another benefit of the fellowship is that, you know, I, I imagine that you guys are all hardworking, the Sloan alum, a lot of times you go into these fellowships and you you do a good job and they like you and they're going to try to fight for an opportunity for you to stay within the organization. Maybe it's not that immediate hospital, but it's within the health system. I was really lucky that like those opportunities would have presented themselves for me. I just had this like um, desire to contribute to healthcare in a different way. So with consulting, you get, you know, you get to go to different organizations all across the country or, or if you're in a local model, it's with, you know, within your city or region and you go from place to place and you're constantly helping tons of different people. So I, I wanted to give that a try. Um, it wasn't uh, entirely like oh, let me do this for the glitz and glamour because if you've done it before, you know that it's not glamorous yes, in right. terms of the travel. <laughs> um, it, was more, it was more just like to be able to go to these different places and leave them in a better situation than when you got there and do it quickly and go to the next one. So um, I was fortunate that... Um, the, the company that I went to here on Consulting Group had an engagement previously with the hospital where I did my fellowship. So I was already aware of them. I was aware of the work they've done and their lasting impact because it had been a couple years later and my hospital was still using their tools. So I was like, this is a great organization. I want to go work for them. So that's kind of how I made the jump. And what are the differences you found between working internally at the hospital and working at a consulting group as kind of a, you know, a, um, someone who's working externally from the organization? Sure. Um, a lot of differences. So I'll try, to, I'll try to get to them, and I might think of some more later. But, um, I mean, the speed of work diff- differs in consulting and industry. Um, when you're a consultant, the organization has paid a lot of money for your services, and you have a contractual agreement to complete X, Y, and Z by a certain deadline. And if you're traveling, as I was, 
you're on the you're with the client in person um, only Monday through Thursday. So there is no real sense of business hours. You are just on Monday through Thursday. You're working remotely Friday, but you are just needing to get all of this work done with whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. In in industry, you don't have uh, that same type of deadline, uh, and you're a part of the organization, so you know finding time and resources to get your stuff done. Obviously, people you're doing what what your colleagues want you to be doing, but there isn't that sense of urgency. So with consulting, things move very fast. Industry, when you're working in industry and you're a part of them, I'd say it moves a little bit more slowly. Um, some other differences. I think there's different benefits to how you feel about the work. I really liked in consulting that you know, I got to go to these different clients and, and give them the tools and resources to um, better manage their own workload, better manage their staff, um, improve their financial situation. Like that is really, that makes me feel really good. Knowing that I was leaving these clients with um, lasting benefit. Um, on the flip side though, you personally, as the consultant, are not experiencing the impact of your efforts on a day-to-day basis because you leave. So in the indus- in industry, for me at least, you know, I I walk the halls, I'm I'm in the clinic, I'm with the patients, I'm with the physicians, I'm with these direct care providers. So I know that when I'm not doing my job, I can see the impact. And when I am doing my job, I can see the impact. So I have a lot more um, of that like direct connection to to the work I'm doing. And I, and I feel much worse if something doesn't get done. And I feel even better when something does get done. Like that better feeling than just saying, you know, reviewing your your contract with the consultant that you, you met the objectives of uh, your plan. I think that's, that's really great to hear and really understand as um, kind of a lot of students are thinking about kind of their decisions and kind of going into both. Mm-hmm. One thing I want to point out uh, before we go jump into kind of your work at City of Hope is that you jump coasts. So you were in Massachusetts and you know, you went all the way to Los Angeles. So what were considerations there as well? Some of those were, were more personal. Like I had, I grew up in, in the Boston area, but had a lot of family on the West Coast. It was, it was an easier move, but it happened that I started the consulting living in the Boston area, and we had a bunch of West Coast business starting. So, you know, I was able to kind of say, hey, you know, my family lives out there. I want to move myself out there myself, you know, not going to ask for relocation. So it was pretty easy for them to say, 
oh, well, this is great. Um, we need to build up our resources on the West Coast, and you want to go there independently. So that was an easier move. But And it was interesting. The West Coast is definitely a little bit different than the East Coast, just the the pace the like the dress attire obviously there are uh, exceptions to the rule but it it is a little bit of a different climate both literally and figuratively on on the west coast do you want to elaborate more on some of those differences well i mean i i interned in new york city and um i worked in boston with the consulting firm so it's a business professional uh, full suit and um, just being a little bit like more tied up um, and then on the west coast I remember being told like it's, it's business professional but it's it's California business professional and I was like what does that mean <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess that's more business casual um, it's more just you know obviously there are people who dress in a full suit, but I was just in a meeting this, this past week, and I mean, I'm in the meeting with the CMO, the COO, and the VP of uh, facilities, and, and a, a few other folks, and like only one person was in a full suit, and one of the physicians wore a tie, and they called him out just for wearing a tie. Like that's how much different the dress code is that like it was so unexpected that this this man could come to the meeting in a tie. Wow, that's that's uh, surprising coming from I'm an East Coast person myself. So that's uh <laughs> mind-blowing to me. Um <laughs> but uh, just going back really fast uh from your transition to from a hospital to consulting, I think mm-hmm. the perception that a lot of people have, or maybe the misperception, misconception, is it's tough to switch. Like if you're coming from a hospital, you're at a disadvantage mm-hmm. for applying to consulting firms. So I was wondering if you could give any advice to people who are listening about how you made that switch and if it actually is a disadvantage or you think it's you're actually an advantage. Yeah, I guess I'm glad I was never told that it was a disadvantage because I didn't go in with that mindset. Um, <clears throat> I don't think it's a disadvantage. I, I suppose it, it could differ by the type of consulting you're going into. I went into management consulting. Um, so just having experience in healthcare or in problem solving and critical thinking. Um, being able to do analyses, like all of those pieces were the technical skills that they were looking for. Um, They're also looking for interpersonal skills. So how can you show that you worked as a leader or as as a member of a team? Because when you're consulting, you're you're having to work with a, a lot of different types of people and roles in hospitals and your your colleagues that work with your work in your firm so you have to be able to prove that like you can you know modify your your behaviors to be 
working with the frontline staff and, and helping them, to be working with their supervisors who might be new leaders, to working with the, some of the senior leaders at these hospitals um, and be able to show them how their staff are doing and maybe have some, not necessarily like difficult, like HR conversations, but have some of the more difficult conversations of like, this is what's happening. Like they might not want to hear it, but this is how it's going. So you do kind of have to like be a bit of a, a chameleon and have those interpersonal skills to be able to work with different people. And I feel like the Cornell education especially the main thing I, I took away from it is is critical thinking skills um, and, and interpersonal skills being in that like intimate small program with Sloan. So going from that transition from fellowship to consulting how about going from consulting to kind of going back into the hospital at Sudhuf Health can you elaborate on that? Yeah it was an easy and it was a difficult decision um, I did the consulting for four years, and um, I got out of it what I wanted to, I guess you could say. Um, and since I had mentioned I moved to Los Angeles while I was a consultant, and I was traveling Monday through Thursday, I personally never got that opportunity to really build a community. Um, I certainly got involved and had friends, but it's not the same when you're gone Monday through Thursday, and at least for me, you know, kind of wore, wore out by by the weekly traveling. So I wasn't as active um, or involved on weekends. So for me, I wanted to make the transition because I really wanted to kind of establish roots in the city that I had moved to um, a few years prior. And I found an opportunity with City of Hope to be kind of an internal consultant um, and work with different departments in the hospital and, and help them see their projects from start to finish. So it was an easy uh, transition in terms of role. Um, making the transition from consulting to industry, I, I do want to mention that like I I think that I have I get a lot more out of my industry role because of what I was able to learn and and do as a consultant in consulting you are you're immediately expected to be an expert on what your company provides so they just really throw you right in you learn the methodology, you learn the analyses, you learn time management, uh, you learn how to organize your work and, and communicate and deliver information very, very quickly, and you learn it well. So coming into industry, I had like this enormous toolkit um, of good skills to pull on. And it's not to say you can't have those skills had you not been a consultant, but I'm just very grateful that I did have those. Um, so coming into the new role, I had the project management 
skills, not from official training, but just from having to be smart with my time and the different initiatives that I was carrying through um, as a consultant. And in that transition, do you want to talk a little bit about the differences between external and internal consulting? Sure. So external, um, <laughs> they sometimes the, the client wasn't the person that asked for you to be there. Uh, sometimes it's their boss or their boss's boss or even higher. So you have to really work on trust and building relationships with those clients. Um, there's a lot more, I would say there's a, like a little bit more to prove in terms of your, your abilities. And sometimes that does come down to um, working a later hour to get something done for your client that maybe isn't in the specific scope of the work but it, it's ancillarily connected, so you just do it to help that client out because you know it's going to help them and it's going to help build your relationship. Um, and I may be speaking like um, company-specific or, you know, just my projects that I was on, but I, I did feel like, you know, there were times where you would just do things um, to, to start to help build that relationship because you are an external consultant and we need their buy-in. As an internal consultant, there's of course the opportunity for them to not really want you there or not really know why you're there, so you still do have to prove your worth. But what I have found in my experience is like they're grateful because they've had this work they've wanted to be doing and they just haven't had the resources to do it. So here I am coming in to be like, oh, finally someone is getting this off the ground, organizing us, keeping us on task, um, identifying our milestones and, and bringing us to them. So it's just a little bit different. In consulting, you can get, you can get your client counterpart to that point, but there's a little bit more uh, to undertake to get there. Thanks for kind of speaking about that. Um, and then going from this uh, internal consulting role to a service uh, line manager role, your service line manager mm -hmm. in hematology, so going back to somewhat of the, the work you did as an administrative uh, fellow uh, with their phlebotomy work, um, can you talk more about uh, where you're at now and kind of um, how you're enjoying it and maybe challenges that you're facing? Yeah, certainly. Um, I, I love my new role right now as a service line manager at City of Hope. Um, I think it's it's a vague, but it's a specific role. Um, the intent is just, you know, anything that is patient experience related or <clears throat> clinic operations related or physician and staff improvement, any way that I can help I come in there and I, I try to help. <clears throat> so I say it's vague in that like, it really could touch any number of things, but it's specific in terms of, you know, improve patient experience and improve staff experience as well. Um, and improve throughput through the, the, cl the clinic and the hospital. So I've been working on some 
neat things lately, um, kind of uh, towards the tail end of working through this care model initiative where physicians and nurses and patient access representatives are all aligned around patients. So a patient doesn't come in to see his his or her physician and then have a new nurse every time they're in clinic. They're going to come to clinic and know that nurse A is always going to be there to take care of me and keep track of the medications I'm on um, and you know, may may do an injection and is going to provide me with the instructions before I leave of what I need to do next. And scheduler B is always going to be my scheduler that I can count on. And, you know, I'm going to schedule my appointment, but if something comes up, I can contact City of Hope and most likely I'll, I'll hear back from my scheduler. So it's really this, like, you know, we always say patient-centric, um, but it, it's really patient-centric in action. You see, you see the, this different care team um, pulling in around the patient, patient. That's one one item. I've been working also on looking at, at clinic utilization with hematology specifically, and and City of Hope being very. Um, having a high volume of bone marrow transplants. Uh, the treatment for those is, is like two visits a week uh, for 100 days out post-transplant or post-discharge. And those visits are usually a Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Thursday, or Tuesday, Thursday, just so that the physicians have, you know, can have time to see or the patient's progression throughout the week. So you don't want to be seeing a patient Monday, Tuesday, and on not see them again until the following Monday, Tuesday. Um, they, our physicians also round on the inpatient service at least like eight weeks a year. It's usually more, it usually comes out to more than that, but that is um, probably the minimum. And there's different multidisciplinary clinics, so treating graft versus host disease, we have um, dermatology and hematology meeting with patients um, to treat them. So there's a lot of different elements to think of in terms of setting up an efficient clinic, um, and it, it just, I don't have the answers now, but I'm identifying right now, like, how we can make clinic more more efficiently utilized given some of the restraints we have on physician availability and also standard of care for our patients. So it's been an interesting task, but I think that there's opportunity to say maybe see more patients and or like better align our staffing um, to, you know, not be staffed on times that we don't actually need to use the clinic. There's opportunity there. That's this, another thing I'm working on. But the big one I, 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 I briefly mentioned earlier um, in working with the CMO and, and facilities and 
working with nursing and some physicians is is all the different ways we can reduce inpatient length of stay um, and improve improve access to other patients, other hematology patients we're looking at specifically. There's a number of different reasons why a patient might not be discharged. It might be that their care their caregiver is unavailable or doesn't have the skills to take care of a post transplant patient. Um, there's you know, home health options, but do we have the right home health options or could we have home health in a more creative way, like have a step-down facility on campus and have home health come to care for these patients when they may not need all of the inpatient services? Um, you know, these are heavily immunocompromised patients, so it's not a very easy discharge to home. We're finding that a number of patients stay stay in the hospital while they're waiting, awaiting these very, very expensive medication authorizations. So, you know, what can we do to expedite that process and, you know, where should that start in terms of the patient's stay? So working with pharmacy, working with case management, we are working to put together a caregiver training program. Also like contract with different either nursing homes or hospice agencies. Something that we can say that we trust and you know you're a City of Hope patient and you're going to get City of Hope level care wherever that may be. Even if it's not in the inpatient bed, it could be somewhere else on campus or it could be one of our like affiliated providers. Great, thanks. Uh, what advice do you have to Sonys uh, in their first and second year as they're making decisions about internships and fellowships and consulting and jobs? Um, if you could elaborate a little bit on that. Absolutely. I think that my advice is really to be open to all different experiences and information. Um, like, don't pigeonhole yourself in in one specific area because you think it's what you wanted to do or it's what you should be doing. Um, no matter what experience or or job you have, it's going to help in in some way in your next role. Uh, I don't think that there is a trajectory that says you have to go this first, then this, then that. Um, and if people do say that, I think it's a little outdated. So my advice is really to just be open to all experiences and really like soak in and absorb everything that, that you can in this tremendous opportunity you have as a Sloan student and all of the um, courses and professors and um, excursions and, and opportunities that you guys have. Soak it all in. Thank you, Libby, for joining us and having a great conversation um, on your career thus far. Uh, I think a lot of our listeners are really going to enjoy this talk. Yeah, uh, I think it's really good, especially during this time when 
students are making decisions about internships, jobs, fellowships, and which way they want to um, kind of go for their career. Um, next week, we have a great speaker. Uh, really looking forward to it. It's a pharmaceutical executive, uh, so stay tuned.